You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We said four quarters, all gas, no break. You guys did that today. Hell of a job. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. On the show, for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. Today on the show, we talk about Marquez Valdez-Scantling and his opportunity to win this number three and potentially even number two receiving job. I also want to talk about the mentoring going on with the Green Bay Packers and that being part of the culture change with this team under Matt LaFleur. And finally, some reporting that came out around some potential changes for the NFL playoffs. Could a bubble be in play if necessary? But let's start with Marquez Valdez-Scantling. After not getting any impact receivers this offseason, particularly with Devin Funchess opting out, the Green Bay Packers are looking at internal development to get that boost in the passing game, something they sorely lacked last year. But when you go back and look, Marquez Valdez-Scantling was in position to be that guy. And it was an injury that set him back. Something that, of course, he's not going to make excuses for, but that his head coach did make excuses for. He insists it wasn't a confidence thing, although his head coach suggested it may have been a confidence thing for MVS. But if you go back and look, it's pretty clear that after about week five, and really if you extend it out, you can look at week seven was the cutoff point. But early in the season, MVS was getting targets against the Bears. Six targets, had four catches for 52 yards, including the biggest play of the game. He had five targets the next week, 10 against Denver, six catches, 99 yards, and a touchdown on a free play. Another seven targets against Philly, four against the Cowboys, and this is where things started to go a little bit off kilter. Against Detroit, he had two catches for 48 yards, including a big one in the second half of the game. But after that, things seemed to take a turn. He had the huge play in Oakland to seal it, had three catches, had th- had two catches for 133 yards. <laughs> two huge plays in that Raiders game. And didn't have more than two targets again until San Francisco in week 11. And then not again until the last game of the season against the Detroit Lions. And by then, he said he was playing through an ankle injury that he shouldn't have played through but felt like he needed to play through. His ability to stretch the field is unique on this team. But his inability to translate that into other parts of his game, other than just goes and posts, 
has really held his development back. He can win on the occasional slant. He can get open on second reaction plays simply by being faster than his cornerback. But if he can develop a rapport and a role in this offense that is more than just that, he can be the impact player that this team needs pushing the ball down the field. This team needs speed to make the geometry of the offense work. Now, when you see him in practice yesterday, he makes a diving catch down the field. He makes a a nice catch on a comeback with Aaron Rodgers. That requires timing. It requires timing off the line of scrimmage with the release. And then you see him making a play with a crosser in the middle of the field. Those are the three ways he can help this team. He really only needs to do those three things because speed in those specific places can be killers. Ted Ginn Jr. has made a career out of basically running those three routes because if you make every route look like a go route, this is something that Drew Lieberman at the Sideline Hustle talks about all the, all the time. You want to make every route look like a go route. Okay, speed release on a comeback, get up the field, stop come back and that's going to create that separation because they're expecting you to go deep. Every corner in the league is going to be afraid of MVS's ability to get over the top. And now you're saying, okay, we're not going to let you beat us over the top, beat us underneath. Okay. Then I'm going to run this comeback and dare you to cover me. And, and this is something that Jordy Nelson used to do like it was his job. And and guess what it was, but Rogers and Nelson had this ESP push the ball down the field, turn around, stop at 10 yards. If it was fourth and anything less than 15, it was a a gimme because Nelson was going to get open. Not saying that MVS can be Jordy Nelson, but he has that same kind of ability to threaten cornerbacks deep and come back and make plays. We know what he can do down the field as a deep ball receiver. All right, now this offense relies on crossing routes and creation after the field. It's something that The Rams do an outstanding job of Robert Woods, Brandon Cooks, Cooper Cup. We've seen them all kill teams on crossers. The 49ers destroy teams on crossers. And even not in the same sort of oeuvre when it comes to this offense, the Patriots, they've been beating teams with crossing routes for years, way before it was sexy. MVS with his speed, whether it's play action or off straight drops, Whether it's the mesh concept or some other variation of mesh. And Matt LaFleur ran a million variations of mesh last year. Dusty Evely, friend of the podcast, talked about a lot of them on Twitter. Continues to talk about it. He loves a mesh variation. Shout out to Dusty. If he can do those things, you have Devontae Adams to win everywhere. You have Alan Lazard who can win in the middle of the field, who can win on slants, who can win on digs, who can win on posts. He can win on little hitch routes. He can win on little option routes. But if you need someone to stretch the field horizontally with their speed, stretch the field vertically with their speed, that's not either of those two guys. It could be MVS. And one of the things you can do, 11 personnel, you put MVS outside, Devontae Adams in the slot, Teams are going to roll their coverage to Adams, and maybe MVS gets lost in the wash. Okay, you go heavy personnel. Two running backs, two tight ends, whatever you want to do. MVS is one of them. You go play action. Now it's shot play time. And you can't double-team Devontae Adams 
and account for the play action and have help over the top for MVS. There's just too many options. That's the ideal for the Packers. And that's what MVS showed yesterday at practice. He demonstrated all the ways. It was the perfect opportunity, the perfect showcase for him in microcosm of what he can be for this offense. Beat teams with his speed over the middle. Beat teams with his speed down the field. And then when they're worried about your speed down the field, stop on a dime, come back, and make that play. He is the perfect complimentary piece. So if you're not going to go and get that stud guy to play opposite Devontae Adams, and the Packers didn't do that, if you're not going to get that guy, then combine them because you have the size of Alan Lazard. Yesterday at practice, he goes up over Jair Alexander. He's able to make contested catches against smaller cornerbacks. Doesn't need to be open. You know, DeAndre Hopkins... Does not create a ton of separation, but he's always open because he can win at the catch point. I'm not saying Al Nazard is DeAndre Hopkins. That's crazy. But he doesn't need to be open because he's already open. He walks onto the field and he's open because if you throw the ball up, you throw the ball away from the DB, Lazard can use his body and create. And he has enough speed and enough threat down the field that you have to respect his ability to get deep. Okay, you have that. That possession threat. You add in this deep threat. Someone who can get down the field, they can run those go routes, they can run those post routes, those double move post corners off play action, and you don't know where they are, and it's you against the safety, and all of a sudden, there's no one. And then you have to use that speed to your advantage. They think you're going deep, you come back, you got the ball, and those crossing routes. I mean, that's it. You only need to run three routes. If you're someone like MVS, because you're receiver three or you're receiver two and a half. And if you get four or five balls a game and they're in those three spots, then that's maximizing you. And that's what Matt LaFleur has talked about all offseason. Hey, we know what these guys can do now. We know what they are. And we know how to utilize them to their best abilities. And so if they're able to do that, we've seen Aaron Rodgers attack the middle of the field more in practice. We've seen MVS attack down the field. We've seen those running back seam routes using A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones' speed. They seem to have a better grasp of how to attack with these players. And that, as much as anything else, just familiarity, of course, with the system, but then that familiarity with the coaches and the players saying, okay, we understand more what these guys are capable of doing. That is also a big part of that year two leap. And if you want to make a quarantine leap with your health, your eating habits, Built Bar is here to help you do it. Because if you're going to do something healthy for your body, the last thing you want is to be reminded that you're doing something healthy for your body. Because usually that means you're eating something that you don't want to eat because it tastes bad or it's got a bad consistency or it is a chore to chew so many protein bars. Check all of those boxes. Built Bar is the opposite. They have six new incredible flavors. I can't wait to try some of them because the ones that I've tried have all been outstanding. And some of the new flavors, and we're talking caramel brownie. We're talking cookies and cream. We're talking carrot cake. That's to go along with the peanut butter 
and the salted caramel and the double chocolate that's already in the go-to rotation, peanut butter brownie, are you serious? The best part though, not only do they taste great, they're high in protein, high in fiber, low in calories, low in net sugars. So if you are trying to eat healthier but don't want to sacrifice flavor, Built Bar is the place to do it. Right now, you can get a free cooler with purchase while supplies last. You can also go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON to get $10 off your next order. Not just your first order, your next order. If you've ordered from Built Bar in the past, you can still get this promo code locked on. Put it in the box. You get $10 off your next order at BuiltBar.com. So I want to talk about something that I don't know if it matters. I don't. I think it does, but I don't know if it does. But it struck me. And it wasn't the first day that it struck me. Yesterday at practice, Devontae Adams was not doing a lot of participating. But he was out there in his uniform, not in a helmet, throwing balls to receivers. And Zadarius Smith was not participating. But he was out there coaching up the outside linebackers, working with them, Preston Smith, Rashawn Gary, Garvin, all these guys, working on hand fighting, hand placement, pass rush moves. Was he practicing? Not really. Was he coaching? Yeah. And and Devontae Adams wasn't coaching per se, but he's out there. He's participating. He's with his guys, even though he's not technically taking part in practice. And it got me to thinking, is that something that would have happened if Mike McCarthy were the coach of the Packers? And I don't even mean that in an accusatory kind of way. It's not a criticism of Mike McCarthy. There are a lot of different ways to run a program. You would not see it happening at Patriots camp. And the Patriots win all the games every year. I'm not even saying that it's a criticism. I'm just saying it's a difference. And when you go back and you listen... And you really listen to what the players have been saying about Matt LaFleur since he had got to Green Bay and the player empowerment and the ability to be yourself and the comfort level that it provided. Shannon Sullivan, the most recent Packer to be on the show talking about this and saying, look, we felt comfortable being us right away and it allowed us to go out on the field and play to the the best of our abilities, to the peak of our capabilities, because we could just be ourselves. We were comfortable, we were confident, and we played that way. And we are that way with each other. And we hang out together, and we are a family as a team. These things matter to me. Now, if you have a bad team, it doesn't matter how close you are, of course. But this stuff... You know, you look at something like close game wins. Oh, it's going to regress. Maybe. Maybe. We've talked on this show about the reasons that it might not with the win probabilities and, and some of the second half leads and things of that nature. Green Bay didn't have a, a fluky season in the way some teams do with close game wins outside of the two Detroit games, really. This is stuff that even if it's not impactful to winning in the way that we think of, you know, okay, this team played together and they're a unit, all that stuff. No, maybe maybe not. Maybe that didn't matter. Maybe the cohesion of the team didn't matter. 
But maybe Zadarius Smith giving Rashawn Gary a little extra coaching actually improves Gary's skill level. And maybe Devontae Adams being out there and throwing balls to the young receivers reminds them that even after two years, if you aren't a star player, you can still become a star. This is the case for guys like MVS and EQ. That, hey, look, I did it. And I'm out here participating and I'm raising the bar every day in practice. And so, you know, you say the Patriots thing. Oh, you know, the Patriots wouldn't handle it this way. Well, that's because the standard is already being set every single day with a culture that says, if you don't play to our expectations, you are not living up to your responsibilities to this team. There are a lot of different ways to achieve that same goal. It doesn't have to be the sort of, you know, Socratic stand and deliver method where you've got one person who's in charge. Bill Belichick is standing in front of the team saying, this is how we're going to do this, men. And that's the old school way. The old school way still works. Alabama wins every year in college football because that works. Nick Saban, by the way, on the Bill Belichick coaching tree. But in the NFL, there are a lot of different ways to get it done. And we've seen it over the years. Andy Reid is not that guy. Doug Peterson is not that guy. They're a little bit more players, coaches, Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, Matt LaFleur. But I absolutely think this stuff matters on the margins. And it can be the difference between winning and losing. The NFL, the margin is so slim. And and again, not just because of some intangible togetherness factor, but because it can actually affect the outcome on the field with your ability to develop. Confidence is a huge thing. No matter what Marquez Valdez-Scantling says last year, it seemed like he lost confidence. And maybe it was really that we're we're projecting and what seemed like a loss of confidence was really a loss of explosiveness because his ankle was hurt. But even if that's true, Aaron Rodgers lost confidence in MVS because of the injury. That seems pretty likely. Okay, well, what if Aaron Rodgers sees all of this stuff going on in practice and says, hey, all these guys are busting their ass. And if they're out there, I'm going to believe in them and I'm going to trust them. And I see the work Alan Lazard is putting in. I mean, don't tell me that the ability for the, the, the players on the field, that for Alan Lazard, that hearing Aaron Rodgers say, this guy is balling out, don't tell me that didn't buoy him. Don't tell me that that didn't help him, that that didn't keep him hardy through the lean times. He got cut. He got cut and came back and became a significant player for an NFC championship caliber team. Culture does that. Culture does that. And if you don't have that culture, you can be in a position where you start to lose players. And, I, you know, you go around the league. I mean, tell me why Dallas sucked last year. Because they didn't. Dallas was really talented last year. The underlying numbers were really good. They were a top, what, 5-16 by DVOA. But they couldn't win when it mattered. Why couldn't they win when it mattered? Because Jason Garrett was not a leader. Because the culture there. 
is not great. And that's why I think Mike McCarthy is going to do a great job there because Mike McCarthy is nothing if not a tone setter, if not a culture setter. He he changed the culture in Green Bay. And we forget, we forget because of how it ended. We forget because the culture at the end had deteriorated. But if anything, that proves how important the culture was to their success. Talent, of course, plays a factor. But you can't foster talent if you don't have a good culture. And people can say, oh, look at the Seahawks. They were fighting in the locker room and they still won a Super Bowl. Yeah, okay. But that was still a culture that Pete Carroll had created where players felt comfortable being themselves. And they talked about that when they were winning. That was all they could talk about. Hey, it's so great to be in this locker room where where coach lets us speak our minds, where coach lets us be ourselves. And ultimately, they ate themselves because the defense was mad at the offense because, you know, Russell Wilson and it was really more the coaching. They wouldn't let them do anything. And so they couldn't score enough points. And the defense was going, how can we lose this game 13-10? We played a great game. Y'all can't do anything. The culture can fall apart. Culture can be upset. Winning can affect culture. Pat Riley calls it the disease of more. You win and everyone says, well, I want more. I want more playing time. I want more respect. I want more money. And it can have major, major institutional effects on your roster. I mean, just pernicious, persistent effects in the negative. Green Bay appears to be avoiding that for now. Now, it's only year two with Matt LaFleur. It's not like there's some dynasty. The Seahawks went to the playoffs every year. They went to the Super Bowl twice. They really should have won it twice. It's a little bit different scenario, but this culture could set the Packers up to make it through something like an Aaron Rodgers transfer of power. It could help them develop this young talent. There's all of this young talent on the roster that Green Bay needs to perform. Well, if you put them in an incubator where they are most opportune, where they are maximized in their opportunity to grow, then that has real impacts on the field. Don't tell me that's intangibles. No, that's real because it affects the outcome on the field because players get better in a way that they might not have otherwise gotten better. That's coaching, that's leadership, that's culture. That's been part of the NFL. It's been part of sports for as long as we've had sports. So I said at the top, I'm not sure that it matters. I'm not sure I really believe that. It matters. I believe it matters. And you know who else believes it matters? The Packers believe it matters. And if the Packers believe it matters, guess what? It matters. I want to end the show today just uh, with a little bit of um, cleanup of some reporting that's been out there that the NFL is looking at a bubble in the playoffs. And, um, you know, according to reports from the the uh, NFL, the they're saying anything is on the table. They're looking at all options. And, of course, they are because they want to make sure that the playoffs and the Super Bowl get done. The fact that they're they're still looking at all of this in some ways is encouraging and in some ways is frustrating. <laughs> you want them to say, yeah, we have a plan and then we have five backup plans. That's what you want to hear. This has been a lot of winging it, it seems. But look, 
They had a better plan than the Big Ten, a better plan than, you know, the Pac-12, and they're executing it so far. We're going to see if they can if they can maintain it. Now, the fact that, you know, the season is going to start here in a couple of weeks, and so far, you know, we're uh, roughly a, a calendar week into camp. No issues. No issues. All right, it's easy at the beginning. First, you know, three, four games in baseball, they had no issues either. Then all of a sudden, you get back into your rhythm. And you're the Cardinals, and you go to Potawatomi, and you gamble, and you go to Sheboygan, and you play Whistling Straits, and you forget, oh yeah, it's a global pandemic, socially distant, masks, all that stuff. The, The NFL has to guard against that. So, so far, everything has been good. Guys have tested positive, but they've been isolated. We haven't heard about new cases. We haven't heard about spread at facilities. We haven't heard about issues to this point. They are claiming that basically they have 32 regional bubbles because of the daily testing and guys are staying home. You know, the the Saints, for example, have hotels near the facility. Guys can can stay or not. And reportedly, you know, like two thirds of the team are doing that more than that. And, you know, they're they're trying to be smart about this because if you're living at home, you know, you've got a wife or you've got a partner, you've got kids, whatever it is, they're not professional athletes. They're going out and living their lives. You want them to be safe too, but you can't be sure. So far, so good. Things can change. And as long as they don't get lulled into a false sense of security by all of this, they can make this work. The good news is the playoffs don't start till January, Super Bowl's not till February, and they can push that back if they need to. If they only get 10 games in, You know, you could get eight games in and then in January say, okay, we're going to do what the NBA did. We're going to play two more games. We're going to seed the playoffs. There's only going to be eight total playoff teams and we're going to have a Super Bowl and we're going to move forward. And who knows, maybe by January there's a vaccine and all this is moot. That would be great, wouldn't it? They have to figure that stuff out. The fact that they have these backup plans at the very least is heartening. So hopefully we don't have to get to them. Hopefully we don't have to get to them. Hopefully we can get 16 games and hopefully at some point we can get, you know, the the necessary medical measures that we can get fans in seats, butts in seats. I mean, that's the ideal is that we have playoffs in the Super Bowl with full stadiums, raucous crowds, and real sports is back because we beat this. That's got to be the goal. So all of us have to do our part too. be vigilant, wear your mask, socially distant when you can, and let's all make sure that we have a real NFL playoffs, a real NFL season, and a real Super Bowl. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers.